0: In the meantime, today's study continues the topic of unity as we make our journey through the book of Ephesians. Today we'll be in chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Let's dig in. When we come now to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, what we find is Paul is now at the very conclusion of his letter to the church at Ephesus. Now, one of the things that oftentimes happens at the end of letters that are written during the first century, especially letters like this one from Paul, is that the author will kind of encapsulate and retell everything that they have told previously, but they will do so in a way that drives the reader to action. Now, Paul has spent a lot of time and energy going through a lot of theology going through a lot of practical advice and wisdom to the readers and how they can, in the difficult culture in which they found themselves, still live for God and live out their faith. But they may be feeling a little overwhelmed. I know you may be. I know I am feeling a little overwhelmed from all of the things that we found in this letter from Paul. So Paul is going to take this now as an opportunity at the conclusion of the letter to essentially say to his audience, you can do this. And I'm going to kind of give you a pep session. I'm going to be your cheerleader to drive you into action because it's important that you not remain where you are. And so with this in mind, Ephesians chapter six, verse 10, a final word, Paul says, there is our clue that he's wrapping it all up and going to put a bow tie on it. Be strong in the Lord, and in his mighty power. Strength. Be strong. You may not have ever thought of yourself as being strong. Even in faith situations, in spirituality, you may not think of yourself as as being strong, but, but maybe perhaps a weakling. Paul says, no, no, you can be strong not only because of how I've taught you, but you can be strong also because of God's mighty power, which Paul has said is in you. You have access to something that other people don't have. And so if you're not strong in any other area of your life, you can be strong in this area because of the power of God. But to do that, and here we go, this this metaphor may be familiar to you. Paul says, you need to put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Paul says it's not going to be simple. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a cakewalk at all. But if you put on God's armor, if you protect yourself, then you're going to be able to stand firm against anything that the evil one throws your way. I love the Boy Scout motto, be prepared. This is essentially what Paul is encouraging here. He's saying, you know what, the road that you're about to walk isn't going to be easy. You have strength, but you're going to need that strength. You're also going to need something else, Paul says. You're going to need to be prepared. Paul spent the last five full chapters preparing us, but he's also going to now here give us just a few final thoughts on how we can be sure of our preparedness whenever those difficult days come. He says, you know, You're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. So oftentimes we we fight people rather than problems. We fight persons rather than, and this is Paul's word, principalities of darkness. Paul says, you got to keep your enemy straight. And a person who's flesh and blood, isn't your enemy? Now they may be acting on behalf of the enemy, but they're not the enemy. You're not you're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but you're you're fighting against something greater. You're gonna need my help, is why you're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, oftentimes when people read this, uh, they hear the you you're fighting against this. When we get to the armor of God, it's going to be put on the armor of God, you. We're we're going to automatically insert ourselves in there and feel as though we're all alone. What we don't clearly see in the English that is completely obvious in the Greek is that as Paul is writing these verses and these directives, he is writing them to plural, not to singular, but he's writing them to plural. He is essentially saying to the entire church, Y'all are fighting against flesh and blood. I don't know. Maybe if he was from from southern Jerusalem, he might have used the word y'all, but he didn't use the word y'all. He should have. In Greek, though, it's there. Y'all are fighting against uh, principalities and powers. Y'all need to put on the armor of God. You all are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. You're not alone. You're not alone solely because God is there. Not just that, but you're also not alone. Because everybody else is putting on their armor as well. And so sometimes we imagine us being in our closet at home, you know, pulling the armor off the shelf and putting it on in the morning, this armor of God. But that's really not the picture that's here. The picture that's here is maybe, maybe that you're doing it shoulder to shoulder with your Bible study group. And the picture here is maybe that you're all putting on armor in, in the church sanctuary. It's all of us. It's all of us together. You're not suiting up alone. You're not fighting against the difficulties that you face alone either. That's why I'm so excited about what's coming up in this box in October is because so many of these conversations and these issues that we face in life, um, one of them is is domestic violence that that we're going to discuss. We feel as though we're dealing with it alone if we deal with it because no one ever talks about it. The church never teaches it. And so we think if we're fighting, if we're fighting against this thing that's going on in our house or in our relationship, then then we're alone. But you're not. That's not the way it's supposed to be. That's why we need to bring these things out into the open and have conversations because as Paul says, we are all in this together. So Paul says, therefore, all y'all put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. There are going to be moments where you're going to need this, so you need to be prepared. Do it now. You need to be able to, to resist when the time comes. If you wait to put on that armor until the battle comes to your door, to your house, it may be too late. And you're certainly going to struggle and lose a few of the skirmishes because you weren't prepared. Because you prepare, Paul says, after the battle, you're still going to be standing firm. What a great promise that is. Now, Paul finds himself in the next few verses discussing the armor that would have been standard issue for a first century Roman foot soldier. Now, I put a picture up here on the screen so that you can kind of have an image in your mind of what this is going to look like. Now, the interesting thing is as well is that Paul, as he's writing this, is in prison and he is likely perhaps chained to a foot soldier. So it's incredible to me to think that Paul is probably writing these lines about Roman armor because just a few feet away from him, he's chained. To somebody who is wearing this uniform. And so Paul takes this uniform and uses it as a metaphor for how you can be well prepared to stand firm. Stand your ground. He says, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. The first thing that Paul talks about is truth. The first thing you put on is truth now it's interesting to me oftentimes whenever we get into skirmishes with people they center around truth and what truth is and and what isn't truth, but we're going to blows we're pulling out our sword we're we're pulling out our our shield we're we're going you know to hand to hand combat with people, but we haven't stopped first and put on truth Paul says the first piece of armor that is important for you to be able to stand firm against anything that comes your way is truth. You have to know truth. That's why these Bible studies are so important. It's why us being God's Word is important. It's why us being open-minded, being willing to be corrected, being willing to change the position that we're in on things, if if God leads us in that direction or shows us something different, is, is super important. It all has to begin with truth. And then the body armor of God's righteousness is going to protect you. For shoes, he says, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Peace. Shoes. Sometimes we walk into situations that are that are not filled with peace at all, especially as a soldier. Most of the things that they walked into were, were not peaceful situations. But Paul says, you know what? For shoes, for somebody who's a follower of God— We always have to be walking into peace, or if we're walking into a battlefield, we should be the peace that is coming into that battlefield. And where does that come from? That comes from the fact that we have good news. We're not there to take names and kick behinds. We're we're there to bring peace. The idea of a Christian crusade is really kind of antithetical to the Bible. The idea of onward Christian soldiers marching us to war, well, Paul talks about armor here, but we might need to do a deeper dive into what's going on and what he's encouraging if we think that what we're doing is immediately going in and pulling out swords in order to, to kill the flesh and blood enemies in front of us. In addition to all of these, he says in verse 16, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil now if you see this picture over on the screen next to me um, you're gonna notice that this isn't a gladiator shield um, this is this is a defensive shield one which you are going to get behind the gladiator shield was was much smaller and and was round it was for uh, hand-to-hand combat this shield is for a different kind of fighting and honestly is is really for for hiding, is for protection whenever things are coming at you. And so a, a gladiator shield is much more an offensive weapon. But a Roman foot soldier, the large body size shield that they would have carried, is much more a defensive weapon. Faith. That is our defensive weapon. But I think it's interesting here that all of the things that Paul has mentioned so far as being a part of our armor are essentially defensive in nature. Are, are yeah, yeah, are defensive in nature. Salvation as a helmet, another defense against the mind. And then finally, the one offensive weapon, sword of the spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, we hear that Word of God, and we read into that the Bible. Um, the Bible wasn't a thing when Paul wrote this shit. Literally, was still being written. What's said here from Paul is essentially the gospel or the good news. Yes, that defines the Bible. But Paul isn't saying, essentially, you, you're using your Bible as, as a sword in order to cut holes through people he's saying no no the gospel the the good news this is this is something that changes people it 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 cuts to the center of who we are whenever we use it correctly and judiciously up until this point everything that Paul has listed has been a defensive weapon this is the only offensive weapon the gospel the good news incredible right also incredible that he lists it where? Last. So often, whenever we are in a skirmish or in a fight, the very first thing that we pull out is the sword and the biblical text. Paul lists other things first truth, righteousness, right living. He lists faith, um, peace these things should go first. So oftentimes, though, we get those things flipped around. And then with this, we'll close. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be on guard. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. For all believers everywhere, be persistent. You are not alone others are holding you up others have your back others are out in front of you fighting on your behalf you do the same for them this Bible study from the book of Ephesians is brought to you by Christ Table if you'd like to join us in the study there's an easy to follow guide in the show notes we'd love to have you join us You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ's Table are committed to doing something about that. We're committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation. Our mission? To help people eat freely and drink deeply, of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. And when you get over to Christtable.today, be sure to sign up for our email list. And for those who choose to donate, we have a resource box that we're going to send you in the mail as our thanks. And trust me, you're going to like it. By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ Table their spiritual home. Join us on our next episode as we continue our step-by-step study through the book of Ephesians. And if you'd like to watch these Bible studies live, there's more information on our website about that as well over at www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.